2: Did you know? Eren, Lyron, and Agron are partly based on a mythical creature prominently featured in Korean fables. This beast, known as the Bulgasari, would eat iron and grow from the size of a bug to the size of a house, causing havoc. The Agron line of Pokemon reflects this. Aeron's Pokedex entry in Pokemon Ruby states, to make its body, Aeron feeds from iron ore that it digs from mountains. Aeron is also small, being only about a foot tall, and ultimately evolves into the almost seven-foot-tall Agron. Although these Pokemon are inspired by the myth, Agron's design might be directly based on a theatrical depiction of the monster. Pulgasari is a 1985 movie made in North Korea. The film shows the titular creature creating destruction after being summoned by an imprisoned blacksmith. Pulgasari the movie is a giant beast with horns on its head, plating on its shoulders and a thick sweeping tail, just like Agron. What's also interesting about the movie is that it was produced by Kim Jong-il, the former dictator of North Korea. Kim actually kidnapped the director of the movie and his wife and forced them to make the movie alongside several others. It wasn't until after making seven films for Kim that the two managed to escape. Although nowhere near as extreme as Pulgasari's production, the development for Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire also had its issues. The shift from Game Boy to Game Boy Advance presented some problems for Pokemon's developers. While the Advance brought new possibilities to Game Freak, those possibilities also came with greater resource costs compared to the previous games. To lessen the workload, Ruby and Sapphire retained the simple art style of the Game Boy games. If the world became more realistic, it would mean more detailed, time-consuming art would have to be made. The backgrounds for the battle screens were kept simple as well. If the battle areas were over-detailed, they would resemble specific locations in the overworld rather than a generic theme. By making them vague, the team could also use them in a wide range of locations rather than specific spots on the map. An increased workload wasn't the only problem the games faced. At the beginning of development, the series' public perception was at an all-time low, with many denouncing Pokemon as a fad or anticipating a sharp decline in popularity. Junichi Masuda, Ruby and Sapphire's director, even recalled seeing large amounts of Pokemon products disappearing from toy stores and being replaced with the latest Star Wars figures. The pressure of seeing this actually gave Masuda healthy Issues, and he needed a gastroscopy due to stress related stomach pains. Nevertheless, he resolved to prove the critics wrong and continue the series. Masuda planned for Ruby and Sapphire to be the launching point for the next few games in the series. He always intended to follow it up with a fourth generation and hoped to be able to remake the original games in between so that players could transfer older Pokemon to the new games. Masuda's plan was instantly at risk after discovering the titles Ruby and Sapphire might be unavailable due to copyright issues. The region of Hoenn was based on Kyushu, the southernmost major island of Japan. Masuda's grandparents lived in Kyushu, and he created Hoenn in an attempt to recapture many of his experiences vacationing there. A lot of this time was spent fishing and hunting for insects, just as the player does in Pokemon. Masuda even snuck in one of his family members as a cameo. Kiri is a girl in Sidopolis who will give the player two berries daily. The character is named after Masuda's daughter, who was born as Ruby and Sapphire neared completion. There was only debugging work left to do at the time of her birth, so it would have been risky to implement a new character. Nevertheless, Masuda secretly programmed the character into the game. Although Masuda would have some fun developing the game, the lingering pressure would still affect him. day before the games released, Masuda had nightmares about it failing. The art team got the inspiration for many of the new Pokemon from animal encyclopedias, their own childhood experience, as well as cartoons and movies. These Pokemon were designed with a more unique look than in previous generations, but without overstepping boundaries or betraying Pokemon's design philosophy, Ruby and Sapphire included only 202 of the total 386 Pokemon. Choosing this number was difficult as the developers had to balance the creature variety against the difficult- Difficulty of completing the Pokedex. They also had to strike a balance between introducing new creatures and including enough old favorites to satisfy fans. Another issue was that every time they'd create a new strong Pokemon, they'd need to create a counter for it as well. The team were also wary of making the new Pokemon overpowered, as that might encourage players to use only a single member of their team. Concept art for Ruby and Sapphire show different designs for Torchic, Trico, and Groudon, as well as a strange Pokemon that appears to be a combination of Latias and Blaziken. Other ideas that didn't stick include a feature where a Pokemon would make a different cry, depending on its state. A healthy Pokemon would make a happy cry, where a sad Pokemon would sound different, but this idea had to be dropped due to memory restrictions. Game Freak considered changing core conventions of the series, such as the number of Pokemon players could have in their party, and the number of moves each Pokemon could learn. After some experimentation, they decided to stick with the original mechanics, as changing them didn't make the games more fun. Ruby and Sapphire's internal list of Pokemon is in a completely different order than the final Pokedex. It seems that Chimiko is a late addition to the games, as it's the final creature to appear on the list, even after the Legendaries. There's also evidence that double battles against Wild Pokemon were planned to be in the game, as the feature is referenced by a string of text in the game's files. Wild double battles would eventually be featured in later games in the franchise. Ruby and Sapphire were also planned to have additional weather effects for the overworld, including a unique snow effect, suggesting the game was planned to have a snowy area. This is further supported by an unused type of trainer called Border, whom were likely snowboarders. Tracks from Pokemon Gold and Silver can also be found on the cartridge, which are remixed using Ruby and Sapphire's sound font. However, it is possible that they were just used to test the game's audio. This seems to be a tradition in the series, as Diamond and Pearl also include a remix of the Ruby and Sapphire title theme in their files. The games also have several regional differences. Ruby and Sapphire have three decorative dolls based on Reggie Rock, Reggie ice and Reggie steel that can only be obtained through the use of the GBA's e-reader peripheral. The e-reader cards for these dolls were only released in Japan, making them elusive in the West. The Japanese versions of Ruby and Sapphire also contain some minor issues and glitches that were fixed in other versions. While riding the acrobike along the beach in the Japanese versions, it's possible for players to bring up the option to surf. By doing so, the player is able to surf on land, which can only be undone by entering a building. In the beginning of Ruby and Sapphire, the player character's moves into a new house with the help of a few Machoke. In the Emerald version, these Pokemon were changed to Vigoroth, but developers mistakenly still used Machoke's Cry in the Japanese version. Not all of the game's glitches could be fixed for the international versions. In Ruby and Sapphire, any time the player attempts to sell 256 or more of an item, no matter how much money the game says is being paid out, the actual amount will be zero. This means if the player attempts to sell 257 berries, for example, the amount will roll over and they'll only be paid paid for one berry. Speaking of berries, Ruby and Sapphire possesses the honor of having the first glitch in the series to be fixed via an official update. Due to an error with the game's internal clock, daily events such as gifts from NPCs or the growth of berries on trees will simply stop. The clock keeps track of the year, month, day, hour, minute, and second, but the years, months, and days are converted into a single day counter. The year, month, day conversion function has a flaw, however, and years are only counted after the first year has ended. So, after a year of play, the counter goes back to zero. Because berries are programmed to grow according to the amount on the day counter, if the player planted any berries on the last day of the year, the game won't make the berries grow any further until the counter reaches the same value when the seeds were planted. Which takes another entire year. This is infamously known as the berry glitch, due to the fact that most players notice it when the berries stop growing on trees. The glitch was a big enough problem that Nintendo issued an update specifically to fix it. There were several ways for players to receive this update. In Pokemon Fire Red, Leaf Green, and Emerald, holding down both the Select and B buttons on the title screen will allow the update to be transferred to a copy of Ruby or Sapphire through a link cable. Connecting the games to Pokemon Colosseum, Pokemon Box, or PAL builds of Pokemon Channel will download the update automatically. Certain Nintendo GameCube demo kiosks also came with an option to download the update to a connected copy of Ruby or Sapphire. If the player opted to go through the kiosk option, they'd be gifted a shiny Zigzagoon. And lastly, if none of these options were available to the player, they could simply mail their copy of the game to Nintendo, who would update their game and send it back.
3: Did you know? There's an apparent official timeline within the main Pokémon games. In May 2014, Pokémon writer Toshinobu Matsumiya made a Twitter post showing a chronological timeline of the mainline games. The tweet showed Pokémon Red and Blue taking place at the start, and at the same time as Ruby and Sapphire. These were followed by Gold and Silver, which took place at the same time as Diamond and Pearl, then followed by Black and White, with Black and White 2 taking place later, and at the same time as Pokémon X and Y. The tweet was deleted shortly after, and nobody from Game Freak has commented on it since. Although Pokemon was first released in Japan in 1996, all Pokemon-related merchandise has a copyright year beginning with 1995. This is likely due to the fact Pokemon Red and Green were delayed, which isn't surprising given the games' troubled development cycle. According to a Nintendo of Japan flyer, the games were listed for release on December 21st, 1995, with the eventual release date being February 27th, 1996. In the international versions of Red and Blue, there's unused trade data where the player would trade a butterfree in exchange for a bee drill. This data also appears in Pokemon Yellow, but Yellow also has data for two other trades, as the ones in Cerulean and Vermillion City had been removed. They were replaced with trades of a Pidgeot for a Pidgeot and a Mew for a Mew. Both Pokemon were nicknamed Matsumiya, likely in reference to scenario writer Toshinobu Matsumiya, of which Yellow was his first credited game. These names were even translated into English. The two Pokemon were renamed Marty and Bart, respectively, perhaps as a reference to both Marty McFly and Bart. Simpson. All of these trades are functional and can be accessed through hacking. Trainer rematches were a feature introduced in Pokemon Gold and Silver. However, in an interview with Pokemon CEO Sunakazu Ishihara, he revealed that during Red and Green's testing and debugging process, the game would trigger a trainer battle every time you walked past them. This would happen even if the player already fought the trainer before, thus allowing rematches. This also made areas like Viridian Forest take upwards to an hour to get through. The encounter rate for wild Pokemon was again much higher, with the player being unable to t- take two steps without bumping into a Pokémon. Ishihara said it would have taken players literally half a day to get through a cave, so the team changed things accordingly for the final game. Another element that was introduced in Gold and Silver were shiny Pokémon. One interesting tidbit about shiny Pokémon is that during the introduction of Pokémon Black and Pokémon White, there's a 1 in 8,192 chance that the minichino shown by Professor Juniper will be a shiny. There's several other instances of shiny Pokémon appearing in catching tutorials and other unobtainable sections, going back as far as Ruby and Sapphire. In the catching tutorial for Ruby and Sapphire, it's possible for the rival Wally to capture a shiny Ralphs, only for it to not be shiny in all future appearances. more early and unused elements of red and green were unveiled in a manga chronicling Pokemon creator Satoshi Tajiri, released in May of 2018. This included ideas previously unknown to the general public, from unused Pokemon to early sprite work. Among the sprites, an early version of Nidoking is shown with a full-body back sprite, as opposed to the top half shown in the final game. Full-body back sprites wouldn't be given to all Pokemon until Pokemon Black and White, over 14 years later. Pokemon artist Ken Sugimori said back sprites were made so that battles would appear to take place from the perspective of the trainer character. And since each Pokémon needed one, they used this to show obscure details on a Pokémon, such as how Clefairy's wings look like a bow or Pikachu's stripes. Pokémon like Grimer and Muk were also given a wave-like pattern on their body to simulate movement on the Game Boy, where the Pokémon sprites remained static. In a 2014 portfolio of Sugimori's career, the art he did was originally made for the game's upcoming guidebooks, as before them, the only art they had to go on was the original sprites. Using the pixel art ripped from the game, Sugimori had to draw each Pokemon and human character based on what he was given. During this process, he would remove design elements in a Pokemon that he didn't like. This may explain changes like with Pikachu, who originally had a white underbelly in its earliest depictions. As many Pokemon are designed by different people on the team, his job is to unify the design so that the different styles don't clash with each other in a distracting way. For example, Pokemon like Dratini and Dragonair were designed by Atsuko Nishida, with Dragonite being done by Shigeki Morimoto. Pokemon designed by Sugimori himself include the Bulbasaur, line, Mewtwo, and Clefairy. Sugimori has mentioned that one of his favorite Pokemon is Venusaur. However, given its complex design, it's also his least favorite Pokemon to draw. Conversely, Gengar is one of his favorites due to how simple it is to draw, and is another Pokemon he designed himself. In April of 1997, Sugimori had done cover art for a Japanese magazine, and many fans theorized the designs shown were prototypes made for upcoming Pokemon games like Gold and Silver, which were initially planned for a 97 release. The second generation of Pokemon games were teased as early as January 1997, and this artwork also came out the same time as the Pokemon anime, where the Pokemon Ho-Oh made a cameo in the first episode, adding to the speculation. Sugimori has cleared this up, saying these designs actually weren't made for Pokemon at all. They were drawn more as a fun what-if picture for Game Review magazine, with characters in their own world separate from Pokémon. Despite this, one of the creatures shown has a striking resemblance to the Generation 2 Pokémon Tyranitar, indicating they like this what-if design enough to actually use it. Sugimori has also said that one of the biggest factors that goes into a Pokémon's design is what the Pokémon in question would eat. Whether it's based on an animal or an inanimate object, or even if it doesn't have a mouth, it's something that needs to be addressed for the Pokémon to be believable. Sugimori said, Ghost-type Pokémon, for example, might feed on the spirit or reap energy from the air around them. If we were going to make a Pokémon based on the motif of a car, what would it eat? Would you make it able to suck up gasoline? How would it use the energy it got from that? How would it use that source of power? Even if the design is based on a car, a Pokémon is a living creature, so we would work over and over how to express its carness and what its source energy should be. When coming up with a Pokémon, Game Freak refers to the Pokémon by their code names, typically not remembering the final names given to them, but always by the placeholders. Starting out, Game Freak was a small Small group and wasn't worried about having code names for each Pokémon. With director Junichi Masuda being unsure if Pikachu even had one. As things got more professional, code names were said to be a bit more creative than they've been recently. With Pokémon like Crabrawler being referred to as Crab One during development of Sun and Moon. On the design side of things, Masuda has said that the team doesn't worry about running out of ideas for Pokémon designs. Even more so as the series progresses, they try to find a balance of Pokémon based on real animals as well as ones based on inanimate objects. On top of directing. Masuda is also responsible for many of the series' music tracks, and had a certain method for composing when first starting out. In the original Pokémon games, Pokémon were seen more as monsters that people found scary, so for places like caves and forests, the music would be eerie and unnerving. For Viridian Forest, Masuda would have the track loop in different places to give off a creepier vibe, saying that the piece was all done by feeling, arranging it as he went along and having no base inspiration for the song. Masuda is said for music relating to battles, it's important the team makes the distinction between a trainer battle theme and a wild Pokemon theme. Players may end up catching and befriending the wild Pokemon, so the music should reflect that and not sound too intimidating. Masuda says finding the right balance in their music is very important and is one of several elements that makes Pokemon unique among other RPGs. The has also had a few oversights. In Route 226 of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, the player can trade a Finneon for a Magikarp. One problem with this, however, is that the trade takes place on a small island, meaning the trade could potentially trap the player. If the traded Finneon is the player's only Pokemon that knew Surf, and they can't teach another Pokemon Surf, Fly, or Teleport, they could be in trouble. Alternate ways to escape would be catching another Pokemon with a rod or leveling up Magikarp with rare candies. But if the player has neither of these items, they could be stuck on the island forever. Oversights have even found their way into the packaging of Pokémon games. On the box art for the Australian version of Pokémon Diamond, the game's summary states that the player will search for the Pokémon that rules space. The legendary Pokémon in Diamond is Dialga, which controls time, not space. It's Pokémon Pearl's mascot, Palkia, that controls space. Unused Pokémon content has managed to be unearthed from non-Pokémon games. Music from Pokémon Diamond and Pearl exists within the data of Catherine on PlayStation 3. What's even more interesting is that this track is an original arrangement of the game's wild Pokemon battle theme and wasn't just ripped from the games.
1: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for 1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.
3: This was likely made by Catherine's composer, Shoji Maguro, but the purpose of it is unknown. Catherine isn't the only non-Nintendo game to reference Pokemon in its data. The Japan-exclusive title, Jirubusha Unasi vs. Dragons, is a Nintendo 3DS Match 3 puzzle game. Within this game are unused Pokemon X and Y menu icons of Chespin, Dedene, Diancie, Fennekin, and Pichu. It's believed these sprites were only used to test the game, as the developer had no official relationship with the Pokemon Company or Nintendo beyond making games for Nintendo. Hardware. Even retro titles have referenced Pokemon and their data. The Nintendo 64 game Transformers Beast Wars Transmetals has unused development text within it, part of which simply states Pokemon Green in all caps. Did you know? Brock wasn't always the first gym leader in the original Pokemon games. Illustrations by art director Ken Sugimori suggest a young child was initially the first gym leader. It's speculated that Giovanni replaced the child and the first gym battle would have taken place in Viridian City instead of the eighth gym battle. The seventh gym leader, Blaine, originally had a different design. He initially wore a military uniform, which was eventually swapped out for lab attire. This was likely done to distance Blaine from Lieutenant Surge and to give Blaine stronger ties to Cinnabar Island. His appearance wasn't changed immediately however, as early full-color art still uses this design. This design was also the foundation for Blaine's appearance in the Pokémon anime. In the original design documents for Pokémon, there was a Charisma stat which impacted the player's chances of catching a wild Pokémon. This char mechanic was likely replaced by the current process of weakening a Pokémon before catching it. The series has other interesting features that were cut. During development of X and Y, there were plans to include a translation machine. This would convert a Pokémon's cries into dialogue, allowing the player to understand what Pokémon were saying. This idea had to be scrapped, as writing dialogue for the 600-plus Pokémon was impractical. One idea that did make it into X and Y were Mega Evolutions. The Mega transformations were made temporary not just to balance the game, but also for aesthetic reasons. Series director Junichi Masuda explained, "...I really like Charizard, and I also like the Mega Evolutions of Charizard, but if it stayed that way, I'd miss the old Charizard." When creating a new game, Game Freak decides how many new Pokemon they're going to add before designing a single Pokemon. Masuda told Retro Gamer, when I'm envisioning what the world is going to be like, I think about what kind of Pokemon people are going to encounter there, and then how many are we gonna need? So I come up with the number first usually. Pokemon games have been altered or censored in many ways over the years. Books in the Canaleve library in the Japanese version of Diamond and Pearl reveal something unusual about the history of the Pokemon world. There was apparently a time when humans and Pokémon married each other. This game explains that this was a normal thing, because long ago, people and Pokémon were the same. These references to marriage were removed in the English translation, which only states that Pokémon and humans used to eat at the same table. Pokken Tournament uses the same title in all countries except for Germany, where it was called Pokémon Tekken. The title was most likely changed to avoid sounding like the German word Pocken, which means smallpox. Some trainer sprites were altered in the international versions of Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. The sailor was originally shown flexing his arm and slapping his bicep. This is a harmless gesture in Japan, but an obscene gesture in other countries, essentially meaning up yours. In Pokémon Stadium for the Nintendo 64, the entrance animation for Nidoqueen was altered in the international release. This is because the original Japanese version showed the Pokémon cupping Breasts. At the Rendezvous Ferris wheel in Black and White 2, the player can battle a trainer named Nursery Aid June. In the Japanese version, June admits that they're actually a man in drag and were only pretending to be a woman so they could be a nursery aide. In the Japanese version of Pokemon X and Y, a trainer is implied to be transgender. In the Japanese game, the woman says, I was a Karate King just half a year ago. The power of medical science is awesome, wouldn't you say? The dialogue was changed in the English version, removing any indication that a medical procedure took place. Black Belt is the English equivalent of the Japanese Karate King class, which has no females. Although the group is exclusively made up of men the title black belt implies no gender unlike karate king which implies a trainer is male the change in dialogue makes the english text much more ambiguous the french translators for pokemon seem to have more fun with their versions in the french pokemon crystal the wise trio are named ken Shu, and rao this is a reference to characters of the same name from the manga and anime fist of the north star when playing Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire in French, the gym leader Brawly will say, I discovered the secret of true power by staring at a Helix Fossil for days and days. This appears to be a reference to Twitch Plays Pokemon. This was a live stream where viewers were able to play the game by commenting in the stream. Due to the chaotic inputs, the viewers would often open up the items menu and attempt to use the Helix Fossil to no effect. Viewers joked about the recurring mistake, saying they were consulting the Helix Fossil as if it were a religious oracle. Although tedious, it's possible to transfer a Pokémon from Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald all the way up to Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. If the player does this and speaks to the game director in the Cove Lily Motel with their transferred Pokémon in slot 1, they'll be given a special time travel award. The award will say that the player has an unwavering friendship and an unbreakable bond with their Pokémon. Game Freak has actually remade part of Pokemon Red and Blue in 3D. Santalune Forest in X and Y is a remade version of Viridian Forest. Both locations share the same layout and feature the same wild Pokemon. Metapod and Kakuna can be found in both forests at level four, despite the fact that Caterpie and Weedle normally don't evolve until level seven. As well as reusing their own material, it seems that developers have used content made by fans. While visiting Dewford Town in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, one of the houses has a map on the wall. This map appears to be a horizontally-mirrored version of the Poke-Earth map from Pokemon fansite and shows all the continents from across the Pokemon world. A somewhat creepier secret is hidden in the introduction for the Elite Four member Phoebe. Just as the first scene fades away, a young girl can be seen in the background for a split-second. She appears again in the third scene of the introduction, where she's hiding behind the player. There's a lesser known secret in Pokemon Crystal. Examining the right side of the right staircase on the top floor of Celadon Mansion triggers a message, there's graffiti on the wall, player added a mustache. In X and Y, there's an old man living in Anastar City who's been struggling with depression after the death of his wife. The player can give him any one of their Pokémon that's level 5 or lower to cheer him up. After defeating the Elite Four, the player can return to the house and discover that the old man has died. The player finds the Pokémon they gave the man, a Comet Shard, and a letter thanking them for the Pokémon that kept him smiling until the very end.
4: Did you know? The desert-dwelling Siglyph is based on giant ancient carvings in the Nazca desert in Peru. The Nazca lines are ancient geoglyphs and are thought to be up to 2500 years old. These lines amount to hundreds of stylized shapes, animals, plants, and figures etched into the ground. One of these carvings, named the Hummingbird, provided the inspiration for Siglyph's design. Theories for the existence of the lines range from them being used for astronomical and calendrical purposes to serving as gifts for the Nazca's gods. Some even think that they're linked to aliens, if so, Siglyph wouldn't be the only Pokemon connected to extraterrestrial beings. In the summer of 1955, a family in Hopkinsville, Kentucky reported that their farmhouse was visited by a flying saucer. The UFO apparently carried small creatures with large shining eyes, large pointed ears, long mouths, gangly arms with clawed hands, and short legs. According to the family, the creatures moved by swaying their hips and would playfully pop in and out of doorways and windows. The story remains an unsolved mystery, but the mythical creature it spawned, the Hopkinsville Goblin, directly inspired the design of Eye, one of Pokemon's creepiest monsters. Aerodactylus is a genus of pterosaur that currently contains a single species and existed around 150.8 to 148.5 million years ago. The name of the genus, coined in 2014, was based on the Pokemon Aerodactyl. In the past, Aerodactylus was mistaken for other pterosaurs due to a mishmash of similar features. This can be compared to Aerodactyl, as the Pokemon doesn't seem to be based on one specific species and has a mix of features. Sanpei Hayashiya was a famous Japanese Rakugo comedian. Takugo, meaning fallen words, is a style of comedy in which a lone person sits on a stage and humorously attempts to explain a long and complicated story with limited body movements. Sanpei Hayashiya's signature catchphrase was to comically throw his hand to his head and say, Sonansu Okusan, meaning, that's the way it is, madam. This action is mimicked by the Pokemon Wobbuffet. It's Japanese name, Sonans, is a reference to Sanpei's catchphrase. Another noteworthy detail of Wobbuffet is that several of its Pokedex entries mention how it desperately tries to hide its black tail. It's theorized that this is basically because the tail is the actual Pokemon, and the body is simply a decoy for other Pokemon to attack. Speaking of Pokemon named after real people, of the 718 current species of Pokemon, four of their names in the English localization include the names of real people. Hitmonlee and Hitmonchan are named after martial arts masters, and film stars Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan. Genghis Khan is named after, naturally, Genghis Khan, and Empoleon is named after Napoleon Bonaparte. Not all real life inspirations for Pokemon made it into the games. In an interview with Gamer Magazine, Junichi Musada and Ken Sugimori revealed that there was a scrapped Pokemon based on Dolly the Sheep. Dolly was the first ever animal to be cloned from an adult somatic cell. The ethical controversy surrounding her caused Game Freak to abandon the idea. A sheep Pokemon did end up becoming a reality however the Mareep line of Pokémon, partially inspired by Philip K. Dick's sci-fi novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, made its debut in Generation 2. Each of the six main regions of the Pokemon games are modeled after real-world geography. Kanto is based on the Kanto region of Japan, Johto is based on the Kansai and Chubu regions, Hoenn is based on the Kyushu and its islands, and Sinnoh is based on Hokkaido. Unova and Kalos are the first regions in the main series to be based on geography outside of Japan, with Unova being modeled after New York City and Kalos being modeled after France. But a region's connection to its real-world counterpart doesn't end at the shape of its geography. Unova, for instance, has references to New York City. City that span the entirety of the region, its people, and its native Pokemon. Castelia City almost directly reflects Manhattan's financial district, and Nacrine City roughly coincides with Dumbo, Brooklyn. Sky Arrow Bridge is undoubtedly Unova's version of the Brooklyn Bridge. Nimbasa City's big stadium is likely based on Madison Square Garden. Unity Tower is both a reference to the Empire State Building and the headquarters of the United Nations. And the Pokemon League's location, positioned in the top right corner of the map, could be a reference to the Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. One area of Unova has been the source of mild controversy, or at least a misunderstanding. Route 4, situated in between Castelia City and Nimbasa City, is a desert ruin and a massive construction site. In the context of the map of New York City, it is situated roughly near the site of the World Trade Center, Some gamers thought Route 4 was under such heavy construction as a tone-deaf reference to the September 11 attacks in the World Trade Center. Despite this, the most likely explanation is an unfortunate coincidence, as most Pokemon regions have a desert-like area, and Route 4's setting served as an aesthetic change of pace between two metropolitan cities. The Pokemon of Unova also contribute to the region's New York vibe. Watchog's reflective stripes are strikingly similar to the vests worn by Metropolitan Transportation Authority workers. Purloin and the Lillipup line are reminiscent of toy-sized designer pets, and Timber, Girder, and Conkeldurr serve as a nod to New York City's construction workers. Scraggy and Scraffy's loose-molted skin evokes the hip-hop and punk subcultures of the city, while Trubbish and Garbodor are garbage, a tongue-in-cheek observation of New York's pile of garbage bags lining the the streets. Basculin was created late in development when the team realized there weren't many standard fish-inspired Pokemon in Unova. It was given two forms to make up for the small amount of fish in the region and based on a bass, as wild bass can be seen in New York State. The current UFC Women's Bantamweight Champion and 2015 Business Insider's most dominant athlete alive, Rowdy Ronda Rousey, is a huge Pokemon fan. In an August 2015 Reddit AMA, she stated that her favorite Pokemon is Mew, and that she once moderated a Pokemon Stadium 2 form. When asked which Pokemon species she'd most like to meet in a fight in the Octagon, she said Throw, because he's the Judo Pokemon and would challenge me the most. In an interview with the Fight Network, she jokingly attributed the way she was developing the blending of her fight style to Pokemon, saying, I wanted to build myself the perfect Pokemon. If you have a Dragon Water type, you have no weaknesses really. So I wanted to find that perfect hybrid of types I could put together in MMA where I could be the MMA Pokemon champion of the world.
5: Did you know, Pokemon Snap didn't originally start out as a Pokemon game, and it may not have started out as a photography game either. In 1996, Nintendo partnered with HAL Laboratories to establish the Jack and the Beanstalk project. The project's team consisted of at least 10 employees hand-picked by key Nintendo figures including Shigesato Itoi, Satoru Iwata, and Shigeru Miyamoto. The team was mostly made up of members from outside the video game industry, including director Yoichi Yamamoto, who was originally a construction designer. The team's first project, called Jack. Jack. Jack and the Beanstalk entered development for the Nintendo 64 disc drive and was announced at Tokyo Game Show in spring of 1997. It's rumored to have taken full advantage of the new features the peripheral included, such as its internal clock. While the game was never demonstrated publicly, advertisements and other promotional material listed Jack and the Beanstalk as a simulation game. Not much is known about Jack and the Beanstalk before it became a photography based game. Some ideas are that it may have included a mechanic where the player could plant seeds which would grow in real time. It's also thought that ideas from Jack and the Beanstalk were reused in other projects that members of the team worked on, including the unreleased EarthBound 64. Jack and the Beanstalk was intimately tied to the team's name, and their logo can be seen in the intro of Pokemon Snap, alongside the logos for Nintendo and HAL Laboratories. It's thought that the photography theme was chosen to take advantage of the 64DD's 38 megabytes of dynamic, writable memory. This feature would allow for large amounts of high-quality images to be stored, ideal for saving in-game images.
1: When the team began development on a game about photography, however, it didn't feature Pokemon. According to former Nintendo president Satoru Iwata, originally, Pokemon Snap for the Nintendo 64 system wasn't a Pokemon game, but rather a normal game in which you took photos. But the motivation for playing the game wasn't clear. We wondered what players would enjoy taking pictures of, and later on we made a somewhat forced switch into taking pictures of Pokemon. This decision was ultimately for the best, but at the time it was met with mixed feelings from the team. HAL Laboratory's character supervisor Masanobu Yamamoto recalled, "I wasn't." involved as a designer, so when characters other than the ones we had designed were used, I had a slightly negative reaction to it. That time, adopting the Pokémon world clarified what we should do and the direction we should head, and I came to like Pokémon, so I felt that that had saved us. Even after the shift to Pokémon, not everything survived the development process. Early beta footage of the game featured Ekans, but the Pokémon was cut sometime during development. This is particularly interesting, as the final version of the game contains exactly 63 Pokémon. If Ekans had been included, it would have pushed the total to 64. This may have been a deliberate choice to reference the Nintendo 64. There's also evidence of at least two additional levels being cut from the game. The beta footage contains scenes from what appears to be a very rough version of a desert themed area. Ikuko Mamori, the composer for Pokemon Snap, also uploaded an unused song from the game called Fantastic Horror. She did this on her website, calling it a tune for a lost stage. From the name of the level and the sound of the music, it seems like this was meant for a stage based on ghost-type Pokémon. Since the first generation only contained three ghost Pokémon, this may be why the stage was cut early on.
5: When the game was released, Nintendo launched a cross-promotion with Blockbuster. Players could bring their Pokemon Snap cartridge to a participating store, plug it into a sticker station kiosk, and print stickers of their in-game photos. The promotion only lasted for a little over a year. The sticker stations themselves have since become collector's items, selling for as much as $1,000 with all the parts included. This feature was also emulated in Pokemon Snap's Virtual Console release. While viewing their album, the player can press the minus button to post a photo to the Wii message board where it can be shared with other players. This made Pokemon Snap one of the first Virtual console games to receive enhanced features from the original version. The game has some interesting references hidden within it. Lapras can be found in the beach level, but when it's first seen it's extremely far away, making it difficult to get a decent picture. Coupled with Lapras' design, this appears to be an allusion to the Loch Ness monster and the notoriously low-quality photos the creature appeared in. In the valley level, the player can evolve Magikarp into Gyarados by forcing it into a waterfall. This process is seemingly inspired by Chinese folklore. According to a legend, there is a waterfall located on the Yellow River that's known as the Dragon If a carp can manage to fling itself over the top of the waterfall, it will be transformed into a dragon. Illustrations of fish jumping over the dragon's gate are enduring Chinese cultural symbols for courage and accomplishment.
1: Despite its status as a spin-off, Pokemon Snap represents a number of firsts for the franchise. Pokemon Gold and Silver were the first games to feature Pokemon breeding, but Pokemon Snap was the first game to include Pokemon hatching from eggs. On top of this, Pokemon Snap was the first game in the series to feature dubbed voices for the Pokemon themselves, using the actual voice actors from the anime series. The main character of the game also appeared in the anime as a character himself. In the original dubbed broadcast of the show, he was named Todd. However, in the VHS releases, his name was Snap. When Pokemon Snap was released on the virtual console in 2007, Pokemon.com announced that the episodes of the show featuring Todd would be added to Toonami's streaming service. In the announcement, they gave him the full name of Todd Snap to clear up the confusion. After its release, Pokemon Snap became a fan favorite. In a poll on Kotaku where Shigeru Miyamoto asked fans what game they'd like to see made for the Wii U, a new Pokemon Snap was the second most requested game overall. Pokemon Snap has also inspired other games, such as the indie survival game Lacuna Passage. Some fans have even modded the game to work with Oculus Rift. Despite this reception, Junichi Masuda, the producer of the Pokémon series, has expressed little interest in making a new Pokémon Snap game. Speaking to Polygon, Masuda stated, Photography wasn't as widely spread in those days. Now everyone has a camera and can take photos whenever they want. Releasing that in the same form wouldn't be as interesting these days. Maybe there's a new idea, though.
5: In a later interview about the game's potential on the Wii U, he reiterated, It's really popular, we get this a lot. If they were to create another one, they'd probably need to come up with some kind of new invention to make it fresh. Of course, everyone thinks of the gamepad, but whoever made it would have to come up with something unexpected. Pokemon Snap was developed by HAL originally, which is now part of Nintendo. I'm the director at the Pokemon Company, and we're certainly not stopping it from coming out.
6: Did you know? Despite its simple premise of Pokemon battling in 3D, the Pokemon Stadium series had a fairly complex development. For starters, the game most Westerners know as Pokemon Stadium is actually the second game in the series. The first game was a Japan exclusive title released in August 1998 and is largely incomplete. Although every Pokemon is viewable in the 3D Pokedex, only 42 of them were usable in battle. This may be a result of Stadium's focus on fully evolved Pokemon, but some groups were omitted entirely. Oddly, Hitmonlee, Hitmonchan, Caterpie, and Weedle are also shown battling in Stadium's credit sequence, despite not being usable in the game itself. The reason for the title's unfinished state was possibly due to a change in direction during production. The game was originally designed for Nintendo 64's disk drive add-on, the 64DD. Nintendo once planned to take advantage of the 64DD's ability to rewrite data, allowing players to add expansion packs. They even outlined plans to alter the gameplay of the Game Boy Pokemon games using the 64DD. Using Stadium's transfer pack, code could be sent to, and be rewritten, on the 64DD using special expansions. Nintendo veteran Shigeru Miyamoto compared the feature with personal computers. He specifically noted how Macintosh computers are identical out of the box, but slowly become more personalized over time. These features were dropped when the game became a regular Nintendo 64 title, which was likely due to the delayed release of the 64DD. The game's unfinished state may also be linked to the competitive Pokemon scene, which the original stadium was heavily influenced by. The game's release was closely tied to a series of Pokémon tournaments known as the Pokémon League National Convention. The first of these events were held in 1997, and used the Super Game Boy to display battles on a television. The finalists of this tournament had their likenesses appear in both the original Japanese Pokémon Stadium and its international successor. The original Pokémon Stadium was released shortly before the next tournament commenced in 1998, and was used in the event. The game's 42 Pokémon were chosen based on usage data from the previous year's tournament. However, this pool was further restricted by the tournament's rules, which was capped at level 30. This meant that Pokemon which evolved after level 30, such as Venusaur, Charizard, Blastoise and Dragonite, were deemed illegal. While it seems like a simple promotional tie-in, there may be other reasons why the original stadium was used in the tournament. According to programmer Shigeki Morimoto, Link battles weren't originally going to be included in Pokemon Red and Green. Up until that point, the Link cable was used exclusively for trading, and the battle system was designed for single player only. Link battles were a last minute inclusion on the behest of Nintendo, which led to several balancing issues. The original Pokemon Stadium was used in order to fix the balancing issues, and counteract some of the game's more dominant strategies. For example, the move Blizzard previously had a 30% chance of freezing the target Pokemon, which often led to a KO. Blizzard's chance to freeze was lowered to 10% in the stadium games, and international releases of Pokemon Red and Blue. Additionally, these tournaments implemented rules that had become standard in many events. One example is the Sleep Clause, which allows only one Pokemon to be asleep at a time. These rules were also used in the Poke Cup in the Stadium series. The game that most Westerners know as Pokemon Stadium was intended to be an expansion to the original game, similar to the F-Zero X expansion kit. Evidence of this can be found in the game's code. Some code refers to features that aren't in the original game, but are present in the International Pokemon Stadium. It's likely that the expansion became a fully fledged sequel following more delays of the 64DD. It's also possible that the international success of the series forced the hands of Nintendo and Game Freak, and made it so they couldn't risk waiting for the release of the 64DD. If they waited too long, and the game was released at a time when Pokemon was less popular, they could stand to lose a lot of money. Whatever the case, Pokemon Stadium broke one million sales within three weeks of its American release, and the project was a huge success. Beating the Master Ball division of the Round 2 Prime Cup will allow players to teach Pikachu the move Surf. The Pikachu must originate from a Generation 1 game, it must also be selected for the Final Cup battle, and the player can't save while unlocking the feature. Surfing Pikachus were originally much more rare and desirable, with only 20 being given away as prizes in the November 1997 issue of Koro magazine. One of the benefits of having a surfing Pikachu was that users could play a surfing minigame in Pokemon Yellow. If a Pikachu with Surf is evolved into a Raichu, it will ride its own tail in Pokemon Stadium. This easter egg likely inspired the of the Alolan Raichu. The Stadium series has a few other interesting secrets. If the player's original Pikachu from Yellow is transferred to Pokemon Stadium, it will say its own name like in the anime, rather than using a Pokemon Cry. (laughs) Additionally, transferring a nicknamed Pokemon into Stadium has a chance of altering their color scheme, Stadium highlights moves that a Pokémon shouldn't be able to learn in purple. Surprisingly, if a Diglett is hacked to learn the move Acid and attack it can't normally learn, the move is shown in white. This could suggest that Diglett was originally planned to learn Acid at some point. Because the move doesn't fit Diglett's typing, it may have been tied to some kind of event like the Surfing Pikachu. That said, it could just be a simple oversight by the developers. Electabuzz erroneously has six digits on each hand in Pokémon Stadium. Funnily, the error wasn't fixed for Pokemon Stadium 2, which simply reused models from the first game. The Japanese version of Pokemon Stadium 2, known as Pocket Monsters Stadium Gold and Silver in Japan, has some functionality with Pokemon Crystal's mobile system. The mobile system allowed for online play by using the Japan-exclusive mobile Game Boy adapter with mobile phones. In Stadium 2, the feature allowed players to record online battles and see them play out in 3D on their TV. All the items that the player's mother can buy in Pokemon Gold, Silver, and Crystal versions can be found in the My Room section of Stadium 2. The player can also keep one of four consoles out in their room, an NES, a Super Nintendo, a Nintendo 64, or a Virtual Boy. Depending on which console is active, the TV will show a game from each console. This includes titles from Mario, Zelda, Kirby, F-Zero, Star Fox, and Wave Race. However, no games appear on the screen if the Virtual Boy is out. A teaser for Pokken Tournament renewed interest in Pokemon Stadium, sparking speculation that the series might make a return. When asked about the possibility of a new installment, series producer Junichi Masuda claimed that it was no longer impactful or surprising seeing Pokemon in 3D. Masuda said that Stadium would need to innovate to justify the creation of a new game.
0: Did you know? The idea for Pokemon Go partly came from an April Fool's publicity stunt in 2014. The stunt saw Google and the Pokemon Company teaming up with a small game that challenged users to find Pokemon in the Google Maps mobile app. Players could catch 151 Pokemon from various generations and would be crowned Pokemon Master if they caught them all with the exception of Mew. Interestingly, the same group that made the April Fool's video also created the original trailer for Pokemon Go. Although the April Fools joke was the catalyst for Pokemon Go's creation, the history of how the game came to be goes back even farther. Pokemon Go developer Niantic Inc. have been experimenting with map-based app projects for several years now. Members of its staff had worked with Google Maps and even on the Pokemon April Fools joke, and Niantic founder John Hankey helped create Google Earth. Their first published app was called Field Trip, which suggested interesting places to visit near the user's location. The app's intended purpose was to help and encourage people to explore the world around them. Niantic took the basic premise of Field Trip and expanded upon it with their next project titled Ingress. Ingress is an augmented reality turf war game that uses a map interface for players to locate and capture hotspots called portals. The two opposing factions either capture existing portals or create new portals by submitting real-world landmarks to Niantic. Niantic wanted to create an open real world gaming platform that anyone could build upon or modify. Ingress was constructed with this in mind, and would be used by Google and Niantic to help external partners and clients build their own games. By early 2015, Google had become a massive corporation that had many other companies and teams within it. It was decided that several of these entities would be sectioned off into a holding company called Alphabet Inc. This would give the core Google company more direction, and give companies under Alphabet more freedom. Niantic was one of the teams that were sectioned off and separated from Google in 2015. While at Google, Niantic was somewhat restricted and couldn't be given any special treatment while using Google's platforms. If Niantic were given favorable treatment, other developers might feel disadvantaged and cut ties with Google altogether. Separating from Google also gave Niantic the opportunity to work with whoever they wanted, including companies that might be afraid of making deals with a big name like Google. The 2014 April Fool's joke had previously built relations between Google and Nintendo, and Niantic used these connections to their advantage. Niantic pitched Nintendo and the Pokemon Company, idea of combining Pokemon and their existing Ingress technology. To Niantic's surprise, they found that the Pokemon Company CEO, Tsunekazu Ishihara, and his wife were both Ingress players. Ishihara and John Hankey realized their visions for a map-based Pokemon game were very close, and their meetings went well. In late 2015, Google, Nintendo, and the Pokemon Company invested an initial $20 million in Niantic to show their support and help fund development of Pokemon Go. Niantic then began the process of redesigning their platform to work with the Pokemon world. They had previously gathered geographical data and images from Ingress players. While playing Ingress, users were encouraged to document publicly accessible buildings, locations, and works of art so that they could be turned into portals. The team used this information to define the locations of thousands of Pokestops and gyms in Pokemon Go. This is also why many Pokestops are churches. The Pokémon Company provided many essential assets during development. These included Pokémon Cries and 3D models, which were actually reused from Pokémon X and Y. Both the models and animations are identical, which was done to save time and ensure that the game's art was consistent with other Pokémon titles. Series developer Junichi Masuda also composed new music for Pokémon GO and helped Niantic develop the game's Pokéball capture mechanic and playtest the game. Nintendo's Satoru Iwata also got involved with Pokémon GO's development, and it was one of the last projects he was involved with before his passing. Although it's been stated in many articles online, Iwata didn't actually come up with the concept for Pokémon GO or the April Fool's Day Pokémon Challenge. In a Famitsu interview translated by Nintendo Everything, it was said that a developer named Tatsuo Nojima was responsible for the idea. And although Nintendo's Shigeru Miyamoto was on stage during the game's reveal, Miyamoto actually had very little to do with the game other than give it his blessing. With Pokémon GO, Niantic had to find a balance between pleasing Pokémon fans and making sure casual players understood the game. Core elements of the franchise, such as catching and leveling up Pokémon, are present, but Niantic almost entirely left out one essential part of the game. According to John Hanke, the team seriously considered dropping the ability to evolve Pokémon. They were afraid that mobile users who hadn't previously played Pokémon wouldn't understand the mechanic of evolving Pokémon into new forms. In beta footage for the game, it was shown that Pokémon could evolve through the use of evolution shards. These evolution shards were a precursor to candy, and were Pokémon-specific. Beta footage also shows that Team Mystic, Valor, and Instinct had no sigils, and were simply called Team Blue, Red, and Yellow. Back when Pokemon Go was officially announced, Niantic stated that Pokemon Go would enter closed beta at the end of 2015. However, beta testing didn't occur until 2016. Although it takes most of its cues from the video games, Pokemon Go also contains multiple references to the Pokemon anime. If the player doesn't try to engage with Bulbasaur, Charmander, or Squirtle in any way and keeps walking, they will disappear and respawn. When they respawn for the fourth time, Pikachu will appear alongside them. This was clearly a reference to Ash Ketchum being stuck with Pikachu as his starter in the anime, which was also referenced in Pokemon Yellow. There's actually another even more obscure reference to the anime in the game too. Which Pokemon Eevee will evolve into in Pokemon Go is almost entirely random. However, there is one proven way to choose how it evolves. In the 40th episode of the Pokemon anime, there are three brothers that each evolve their Eevees into different Pokemon. Raynor evolves his into a Vaporeon, Sparky turned his into a Jolteon, and Pyro has a Flareon. Before evolving Eevee in the game, Game, naming it Rainer, Sparky, or Pyro, will transform it into Vaporeon, Jolteon, or Flareon, respectively.
7: Since its inception, Pokemon has managed to grow into the highest grossing media franchise of all time, and of course has an extremely close relationship with the video game industry, and with that, Nintendo. The Pokemon series may be enjoyed by viewers of all ages, but the anime is primarily marketed towards children, while the games are considered more of an all-ages venture. As the owners of the Pokemon brand, the Nintendo Company aren't exclusively controlled by Nintendo. Their ability to create products branching across multiple video game platforms allows the series to reach a wider audience than just those interested in Nintendo's own systems. Over the years this has resulted in a number of titles for Windows PCs and more recently, mobile games. In Japan however, Pokemon could even be found on a platform created by a one time major rival for Nintendo, Sega. Today we'll be looking at the 7 Pokemon games released on Sega platforms, the Sega Pico and Advanced Pico Beena. Before we explain the Pokemon games on the system, we should give you a brief introduction on what on earth the Sega Pico even is and where it came from. The Sega Pico was released in Japan in 1993 and saw an international release a year later in 1994. The system held some mild success for a number of years, though ultimately it was discontinued outside of Japan in 1998. In Japan, however, the system would see continued support until late 2005. As of April 2005, 3.4 million Pico consoles had been sold at retail, with 11.2 million software sales to go with it, including 300 different software titles. The Pico's hardware matched that of the Sega Mega Drive, or Genesis, though differed dramatically in control and function. The Pico is shaped somewhat like a laptop, though without a screen or full keyboard, instead having a pad controlled by a magic pen, as well as some coloured directional buttons. Cartridges for the console aren't actually cartridges in the traditional sense at all. Referred to as storyware, each game comes in the form of a picture book with a slot at the bottom which connects to the top half of the system. The game progresses as each page of the book is turned. In total, 3 Pokemon games were released for the Sega Pico. Pokemon Catch the Numbers was released July 23, 2002, and used the second generation of Pokemon. It was designed to teach children numeracy skills, with the story following Pikachu and Togepi after Team Rocket steals all of Ash, Misty, and Brock's other Pokemon. The player is faced with a selection of mini-games that must be completed in order to retrieve the lost companions. As a side note, within the data of Catch the Numbers, a large sprite of Weezing can be found, which would ultimately ultimately, never be displayed in-game. Pokemon Advanced Generation I've Begun Hiragana and Katakana was released on November 17th 2003 and uses the third generation of Pokemon. It was designed to teach Japanese children how to read and write Japanese hiragana and katakana script. The story involves Team Rocket deceiving Ash, Brock, May and Max by disguising themselves and telling them they need 25 Pokemon to progress to the Pokemon stage. Each Pokemon is caught by simply correctly drawing 5 Kana. If Pokemon on Sega wasn't enough, a Pikachu Pico was released in 2004, a year before the end of the Pico's life cycle. The system was just a Pico designed with a Pikachu aesthetic, otherwise having no differences to a standard Pico console, of course created entirely as a way of boosting the system's sales. The console came bundled with a copy of Pokemon Advanced Generation, I've Begun, Hirigana, and Katakana. The last game released on the standard Pico was Pokemon Advanced Generation Pico for Everyone Pokemon Loud Battle. Released on July 13th, 2004, the game also includes the third generation of Pokemon. The game stars Ash, Brock, May, and Team Rocket, and is mainly based around reading and playing minigames. The game came with a Pikachu-themed controller, with various minigames being playable in a competitive two-player mode, with both players using either side of the controller. Inevitably, the Sega Pico would come to the end of its lifecycle in 2005, but wouldn't be entirely scrapped. Instead, a follow-up console was created for the Japanese market which would show clear upgrades over earlier incarnations. The successor, the advanced Pico Bina, was released in 2005 and is often referred to as simply The Bina. The two systems are extremely similar in design, though the Beaner features an additional set of buttons on its right side to accommodate left-handed children as well as the inclusion of built-in speakers, and ports to allow extended functionality, such as an SD card reader which can be used to save game progress and store images. Sega toys honed in on the forms of education that they hope to achieve with the Beaner, summarising them with five headings. Education. Basic knowledge of letters, words and numbers. Virtue education, develop sociality and discipline by learning morals and manners. Physical education, improve and understand exercise and physical abilities such as rhythm. Food education, acquire proper knowledge of food, both in eating habits and manners. And finally, safety, develop safety awareness such as avoiding crises in daily life and health awareness. As a technicality, the Beano is actually the last Sega console ever to be released, a full six years after the Dreamcast. While the console has never been officially cancelled, there have not been any new games released for the system since July 2011. In total, there were four Pokemon games released for the Beaner. Pokemon Advanced Generation Pokemon Number Battle, released on October 1st, 2005. The game uses the third generation of Pokemon. It mostly involves finding hidden Pokemon in various scenes, as well as solving math questions and puzzles. Intellectual Training Drill Pokemon Diamond and Pearl Letter and Number Intelligence Game was released on the 21st of April 2007, and featured the fourth generation of Pokemon. The game was geared towards teaching children general knowledge, words and numbers, such as counting Pokemon, grouping them based on on on-screen prompts, colouring by numbers, and a simple jigsaw. This game in particular does seem more general than the other titles, rather than focusing on specific skills. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl: Search for Pokemon Adventure in the Maze was released on September 17, 2009, using the fourth generation of Pokemon. This title seems to be more Pokemon-centric than the other games, involving puzzles based around Pokemon, with the player having to use the book to highlight Pokemon either based on their silhouette or finding them in on-screen mazes. The game also encourages children to learn the Pokemon by name alone rather than relying entirely on images. And lastly, Pokémon Best Wishes Intelligence Training Pokémon Big Sports Meet was released on December 4th, 2010 and included Generation 5 Pokémon. The player takes on the role of Ash through various games which involve learning hiragana, numbers and English, as well as completing a number of exercises in order to win medals. Through the use of the Beena SD card reader, sold separately, it's possible to save the game and print images created in-game. The Pico was made purely as a form of edutainment, providing an enjoyable learning experience to young children. Though initially created by Sega, it was eventually passed over to their subsidiary Sega Toys to run on their own in the year 2000. Sega Toys was formed in February 1991, when Sega absorbed the Japanese toy manufacturer Yonazawa Toys. Yonazawa Toys was formed in 1932, and were well known for their work on the creation of tin toys during the 1950s and 1960s, gradually evolving into the production of electronic and radio-controlled toys as trends shifted. But it wasn't just their toys that made the company so profitable, as Yonezawa Toys also worked as a distributor with major ties to the Western market, working with companies such as Hasbro. They would eventually go on to become the largest post-war toy manufacturer in Japan. The merger of the two companies resulted in the creation of a Sega subsidiary called Sega Yonizawa, which over the years would transform until eventually it would become known as simply Sega Toys. Sega Toys have continued to produce electronic toys and gadgets as well as standard toys and licensed products, winning numerous awards along the way. Sega as a console producer had a code which was given to all third-party developers for their systems which would be displayed on the box or hardware of any third-party product between the 1980s and 2000. Interestingly, this would even extend to their own subsidiary of Sega Yonezawa with the code T193, and then eventually Sega Toys would be assigned their own code T418. The fact that these two companies had codes associated with them could imply that Sega, the parent company, treated Sega toys as a third party. Sega and Sega Toys, at least at the time of this video, do not have much involvement with one another, with only rare occasions when the two businesses work in tandem. For example, Sega Toys provides prizes for Sega's claw machines in arcades. As a result of this detachment from Sega, it seems to provide Sega Toys with the freedom to work with any company they desire, regardless of loyalty to its parent company. This has resulted in Sega Toys even working with other companies to produce video games, such as the Ocho Ken series developed by MTO, rather than following the obvious choice of using Sega and keeping development in-house. To bring it back to Pokemon, Sega and Sega Toys have had many interactions with the Japanese TV station TV Tokyo, who have been broadcasting the Pokemon anime series since its debut in the 90s. The companies have worked together to produce a variety of games for Sega consoles, including Honon no Tokyuuji and Aharemenara, two tie-in games to their respective anime series produced by Sega and licensed by TV Tokyo. Sega toys are also toy manufacturers for classic anime shows on the channel too, such as Bakugan. These relationships would make it seem only natural for Sega toys to eventually deal in the production of content for the Pokémon anime, with the entertainment games seeming to focus almost entirely on the anime side of Pokémon featuring characters from the show such as Ash, Misty and Brock, rather than characters developed by Game Freak on Nintendo systems. In the same way that Sega now produced games for Nintendo consoles, among others, due to the fact that Sega no longer produced their own, without Nintendo forming a toy division within their company that is capable of matching the extensive range of specialities that can be found within Sega toys, it's likely that they will continue to use them, as well as various other toy companies, as and when they need them. Case in point, at the time of this video, they actually still do, with toys such as the Mon Poke series of toys being co-produced by Sega Toys.
0: Say goodbye.